0: If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Kyle, one of the pastors here, and man, we're thrilled that you have joined us today. We really have. I'm excited to get to the Bible um, with you this morning, and and so let's do that. If you have a Bible with you, find the book of 2 Corinthians. Actually, it's 1 Corinthians, I think. 2 Corinthians, possibly. Now I'm worried, because one spot in my note says first and the other says second, so I really have no idea right now, I'm, I'm lost. Uh, but let's go with 2 Corinthians chapter number 7 is where we're going to be, and we'll get there in a minute. Uh, we've been in a series of messages, this is actually like the eighth week in this series, we've called it Stuck, uh, that's what we've been talking about, talking about all sorts of things that are really holding us back, holding us back in our lives, uh, holding us back as parents as, uh, and, as, and as Christians. In our spiritual life, there are things that hold us back and keep us from living in the freedom. Uh, and experiencing everything that that God uh, has for us. This morning is actually kind of week number two of of part six in our series. I know, you don't care. What I mean is, it's really the second half of last week's message. Uh, When I was putting this together last week, I realized, like, I just have way too much, and so we kind of split that. If you were here last Sunday, uh, we talked about forgiveness, and we talked about how all of us Uh, at different times and different ways, have been wounded, been wounded by other people specifically. Uh, As we travel through this life, we get wounded, and people hurt us, and people say things, and people do things, and some of those wounds are just kind of shallow and not a big deal, and we really just need to kind of get over it, Uh, but there are some of us where you have been wounded in very serious ways, very heavy ways, and, and it is actually quite deep. Uh, and, And that's what we talked about, how so many are struggling through life right now because they are unable to get over some of the things that have been done to them in the past. That was last Sunday, and if you missed that, I would highly recommend you go. You can go to our website and watch that message uh, right on our website, and it is, it, it is a big deal. I had so much feedback last week um, from people just saying, I desperately needed that, thank you, it's a process, okay, and all this, and, and so it was such a, a, a big deal. That topic was difficult, it was important, but the topic for today, equally as difficult, equally as important, in fact, for some of us, today is going to be much more difficult than last week, was, uh, really. And the reality is that, that very specifically, many of us here today and many of us who are watching behind a screen right now, like you are stuck in your life and stuck in your relationship with God because you have been unable to forgive yourself. And you have things in your past that you look back on with great regret massive guilt, massive amounts of of shame. And, and, and I think all of us have things in our past that we like we wish we wouldn't have done, right? Raise your hand if you're like, I have stuff in my past that I wish I wouldn't have done, okay? Almost all of us are willing to admit that and a couple of us weren't listening because you were polishing your halo in the corner over there and <laughs> missed that part, okay? And you're lying to us with what that is. Uh, now, now some of those things that we look back and we wish we wouldn't have done Um, are actually just things that were really embarrassing. Does anyone have any of those stories? Yeah, Uh, I remember when I was in college, and I can't believe I'm even sharing this, but here we go. Like, I can't turn back now, can I? Uh, But I was at Target, and I'm standing in the checkout line waiting to buy my ramen noodles or whatever it was that I was buying, and there's a girl behind me in line. And uh, this was before I'd ever met my wife, okay? Let's make that clear. And, and, and by the way, don't think that I was some like smooth college guy who was uh, like good with the ladies. That was not me. I'm still, I'm still very much afraid of girls right now, okay? Let's just put that out there right now. But, but I start up this conversation with this random girl behind me in line, this girl that I had never met, and we're talking for like 30 seconds, a minute, whatever as the thing. Well, all of a sudden, she like has a weird smile on her face, and she's kind of laughing a little bit to herself, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't remember saying anything funny, uh, what's going on? And I look down, and I realize that at some point during our conversation, I had grabbed the box of tampons that she was buying and I was holding them in my hand while I was talking to this girl. I tell you what, like for weeks I was just in this state of, I can't believe that I did that. Okay. Now, like, like we, we have all done things that that we're embarrassed about in our past. Some of you are looking at me right now and saying, like, I've never done that, but that's okay. (laughs) Listen, for some of us here, it's it's not the embarrassing things, though, that you're hanging on to. Some of us here in this place, we've been the one who has massively wounded somebody else. And we were the one who caused pain. And we've done things, and we've said things, and, like, that has left you carrying a pretty significant amount of regret and guilt and shame. Maybe you drank, drank too much one night and you did something that you can't undo, or you said something that you can't unsay. Maybe it was years ago, maybe when you were a teenager or a college kid, and you made like what you thought was the right decision at the time, but you have like regretted that moment ever since maybe in, maybe in the name of loving your family like you did what you thought was best and I'm gonna be a good provider and I'm gonna work hard and provide for my family but then like years went by and suddenly you're disconnected with with your kids and you think like what have I done why did I do that the, the whole time the most important things were right in front of me yet I poured my life into something else and like you just can't get over the guilt that you neglected your, like, your family. Maybe you found yourself in a really kind of odd spot in your marriage, and instead of stepping into your marriage, you stepped out of it, and you did something, and you betrayed the person that was most important to you, and you just can't get over the guilt. I mean, the list goes on. Maybe it's the clicking on the computer, you're looking at things you know you shouldn't look at, you love God, you love your spouse, but you just keep going back there again, and back again, and the shame and the guilt is just, like, overwhelming. See, some of us in this place, this is a real thing for you, uh, where you are simply unable to get past what you did, And some of us, you've been carrying this around for a long time and and you can feel the heaviness even of this moment and of this topic. Listen to me, I, I, I believe that for somebody here today, maybe even a number of people, today is the day that you leave that stuff behind and that you walk out of this place experiencing freedom from something that you have carried around for most of your life. Come on, that sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? Yeah, that's a beautiful thing, I like that. Let's open up our hearts and our minds to receive from God today. Will you stand with me all over this place? And let's start just by praying together uh, and just asking God to kind of soften our hearts to this moment and what he would want to do. And so God, we we just take a deep breath and we invite you into this moment. We know you are already here. But God, we pray that you would kind of wake us up to your very presence and the fact that you have something huge and beautiful and big for us even in this moment. And uh, God, I just pray right now for those who, who, who this is their story. In fact, if that's you, church, just put a hand up right now. No one's looking. If you're carrying around guilt and shame from your past, lift up your hand. God, I pray right now for those that are, that this is a reality for them Let this moment and these next few minutes be significant to them in finding freedom in what you have done, Jesus, and so we give this to you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. Somebody's daughter over here just left dad hanging and dad was not going to sit down until daughter gave him a high five and it got a little awkward. Or that was awesome. All right, hey, let, let's, let's get to the Bible because here's the good news. The Bible speaks directly to all of this. Uh, and here's more good news. Some of the most incredible followers of Jesus in the Bible, incredible men and women of God, have serious regret and shame at different points. And we see this kind of play out in their lives. So 2 Corinthians chapter seven, verse number 10. And this is where we're going to start. This is going to set the stage for what I believe could be a transformational day for someone, okay? So let me just read this to you and we're gonna talk it out and kind of see where this takes us. It, It says this, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Now, this verse right here, and this is really where we're hanging, uh, this verse centers around this word sorrow. Uh, We see it twice, godly sorrow, worldly sorrow. Typically, we use the word sorrow to talk about being sad. Would you agree? Like if someone who is feeling a lot of sorrow, we think of them, oh, they must have dealt with something and they are feeling deeply sad about something. In this context, that's really not exactly what this is, even though we definitely could use the word sorrow in talking about the feelings that we have about some of the mistakes that we have made in the past. But my, ba- my Bible commentary stuff over and over that I read, it kind of defined this word sorrow much more as deep regret and guilt, deep regret and guilt. This is godly guilt or godly regret leads to repentance, but worldly guilt or worldly regret leads and brings death. And so let's start with this right here. The feeling of guilt that many of us have and many of us feel, the feeling of regret, understand there is a godly version of that. Not all guilt is bad. Not all regret is is bad. There is a godly version of guilt or regret that is beautiful, and it is life-changing, and it is life-bringing in different ways. Okay, but there also is a different version of that guilt, regret, shame, whatever else, that is a worldly version of it, and it's completely destructive. In fact, Paul just says that actually leads to death. Godly guilt, godly remorse, a gift, okay? Worldly uh, guilt, worldly remorse is, leads to death in that way, all right? So godly guilt is this feeling of conviction It's this feeling of I did something that wasn't right. And that feeling in and of itself can be beautiful and helpful because it can take us off the wrong path and actually put us on the right path. Are you with me so far? Okay. Or like this verse says, this kind of guilt leads us to repentance. The word repentance simply means a change of direction. Uh, one place I read they, t- they were splitting up this word and, and I'm not, I, I don't know a whole lot about the language stuff but they were just saying the word re means turn and the, the word pent, okay? You think of a penthouse is kind of like you go up and so we were going this way, repent is really you were going like this and now you're kind of going like this. Do you hear that? That's the word repent or repentance is a change of direction and now you are heading upward in that way. Godly remorse Godly guilt brings that, and it's good, it's from God, it's a gift that leads to repentance and salvation, uh, and it leaves no regret. So hear that, and I think it's important that we kind of hang on to that for a moment, that not all of the feelings of guilt that we carry um, are bad feelings. Some of that is, is the Holy Spirit moving us to change and moving us to turn, Okay, we'll come back to that and I'll show you that in the life of someone in the Bible. There's also though a worldly version of guilt. It leads to death. Godly remorse brings repentance. Worldly remorse brings spiritual death. For the sake of our conversation today, we could say there is a worldly form of guilt that leads to a spiritual life that is absolutely completely stuck and stagnant and unwilling to move forward at all. Uh, in that way, okay? World remorse brings that, because we get stuck in a cycle of regret and guilt, and those feelings don't help us turn. Those feelings follow us everywhere they go, and they just keep us from being free, okay? Now, inside the story of the crucifixion of Jesus and the last couple days of Jesus' life here on Earth, we have two side stories that involved two of Jesus' disciples. Both of these side stories involve massive mistakes that lead to guilt, remorse, and huge amounts of regret. But these two people respond very, very differently. Uh, Let me show you this, okay? The first story revolves around a man named Peter. Anyone heard of Peter in the Bible before, okay? Peter is one of Jesus' closest followers, closest friends, uh, and when you, read, when you read about Peter in the New Testament, you read about a man who has all of these amazing good qualities. You also read about a man who just seemed to do some stupid things sometimes. Uh, and at one point earlier in, li- in Jesus' life, he turns to Peter and he's like, Get behind me, Satan is what Jesus says to Peter. If, if Jesus ever calls you like hints at you being Satan, just know that you're not probably doing things exactly how you should. Are you with me? Okay, yeah, this is, that's, that's early in the life of Jesus and Peter over here, okay? But the biggest, most obvious fail for Peter comes from the night that Jesus was arrested. Uh, I know you know this, and it's set up by something Jesus said to his disciples just a few hours earlier. The Last Supper, it's this sacred meal that we read about where Jesus uh, gathers his closest followers, his disciples. They're, at the, they're having this meal. It's this beautiful moment uh, between them. The communion piece and the Lord's Supper comes out of that. But we also have, at kind of the end, Jesus turning to this entire group and he says, hey, I tell you what, here's what's going to happen. All y'all are going to ditch me and abandon me later. And Peter is the one of the disciples that speaks up. And he says, Jesus, that's not true. You don't know what you're talking about. In fact, even if all these other bozos over here leave you, I will never leave you, Jesus. If we go to war, you want me by your side, Jesus. Okay, I'm here for you. I'm never going to leave you. Uh, Jesus then turns to Peter and he says, this very night, you're going to deny me three times. That's how the story is set up. And uh, that's exactly what happens. That very night, Jesus is arrested. Uh, You know the story. Peter follows Jesus from a distance. He's standing in the crowd. He's watching everything that is happening with Jesus. uh, And he's approached by a little girl. And this little girl says, hey, aren't you one of Jesus's followers? And Peter's like watching Jesus be almost tormented and he's not letting, and he, and he says to this little girl, he says, no, that's not me. You, you got me mistaken. He goes off and he's warming himself by the fire. Uh, a little bit later, a second person approaches Peter and says, I'm pretty sure that you're one of Jesus's guys, right? I've seen you hanging out with him before. Peter says, you're crazy. I've never met that man. And then I'm going to read this to you from Luke 22 because there's a piece that I want you to see. Uh, This is verse 59. It says, about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. They're talking about his accent a little bit and different things. Verse 60, Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And I wanna point to you, I wanna point your attention to the next verse. You may have heard this story before, but maybe you've overlooked this next line. Just at that moment, the moment that Peter denies Jesus for the third time, the story says in verse 61 that the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Can you feel that? Can you feel it? The moment that Peter lets Jesus down, He had just said, I will never leave you. And now he's like, I don't even know who that is. I don't know that man. And just in that moment, Peter and Jesus make eye contact. Can you feel that? Okay. And it says, then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. Verse 62. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly bitterly why is Peter weeping the implication here clearly the the dude is filled with guilt he's filled with remorse and regret over what he has just done what have I done I cannot believe I just did that have you ever felt that you ever felt that and maybe you've had, the, like, you had the best intentions in the world, and then all of a sudden you, you do something and you're left with, I cannot believe that I did that. Like, I, I truly love this person with all of my heart, but then in this moment of anger, I say something that for years and years and years, I regret How did I do that? You promised yourself that you would always or that you would never, and then you do it. What what have I done? I can't believe I did this. Now, here's where this gets extremely messy, and here's what you need to understand. The Bible says that we have an enemy, you can call him Satan, you can use the word the devil, whatever you want with that. Like you have a very real spiritual enemy, and his playground is your mind. Don't miss this. And where he is very, very effective is taking this godly sorrow that is meant to turn you to God and to turn you away from what you did, and he's really good at warping that. Godly sorrow leads to repentance, which leads to salvation. Worldly sorrow leads to death. And often the difference is what you do in those moments of failure when Satan takes the godly sorrow and begins to turn it into shame. Let me explain. Guilt says I did something bad. Shame says I am bad. And I'm telling you, it is very easy for us to begin to connect what we did with who we are and our very identity. That the truth is, you did something wrong. But Satan wants you to believe that you are pathetic, that you are worthless, that God can never use you again, not after what you have done. You'll never be happy, you'll never be blessed. You'll never measure up. You'll never have a great marriage anymore. You will always be marked by that thing that you did. And he doesn't stop there. He just says, he says, the pain that you're experiencing, it's just payment for your past. You deserve that because of what you did. Peter, you blew it big time. Jesus trusted you and you failed him. Jesus picked you, and you went off bragging about how great you were, and then you let him down, you betrayed him, and then to top it all off, Jesus saw saw you. He saw you do it, and he looked you right in the eye. Peter, you will never recover from this. It's over for you. See, the devil wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. Wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. You're not good enough for God. You'll never measure up. After what you did, after what you said, you are a failure. You're no good. God could never. The devil wants to use your shame to drive you away from God, but God wants to use your guilt to draw you to his grace. Feel, Feel that. Like, come on, somebody. I like that's a big deal. That's beautiful. Godly sorrow says. I don't want that anymore. And I know I have a safe place to turn. I have a God who loves me, a a God who still cares about me, a God who receives me, and his mercies are new every single morning. And it's this beautiful thing that leads to repentance and it leads to salvation. It leads to, you're actually better than when you started. Satan wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. Okay? There's another disciple in the story of the crucifixion. His name is Judas. You know his story too if you've gone to church ever. Okay? Uh, Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus, or Judas, betrayed Jesus one time for 30 pieces of silver. Let me read you the tragic ending of this man named Judas. Verse number three. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse. Do you hear that? Seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied, that's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and he hanged himself. Judas, is, he's filled with remorse. Can you feel, even the words that we have in this story, Peter went away and wept bitterly because of what he had done. Judas filled with remorse right here, like the mistake that he made, the wounds that he caused. So what does Judas do in his shame? He separated himself from God and he takes his own life. Listen to me, don't miss this right here. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could carry your guilt and your shame around forever. Like, come on. Jesus gave his life. Why? For the forgiveness of our sins. The one who was perfect became sin, and he died in our place, and the world went dark. And and I know you know this, but somebody needs to hear it today. Jesus dies, but three days later, the women went to the tomb, the stone is rolled away, and the tomb is empty. And Jesus is not there. God raises him from the dead so we can be forgiven so that we can experience this beautiful grace and mercy and love of God. Come on, somebody, put your hands together for me. You're not nearly as excited about this as I am. Like, it's it's, it's a big deal. Forgiven, absolutely, but even more, you can not only be, not only can you be forgiven, but you can be free. You can be free from that free from your past, free from the mistakes that you made, free from the regret and the guilt and the shame. Like, do not, do not let that hold you back anymore. You can be free. Now, there's more to the story of Peter. After Jesus is raised from the dead, he shows up to Peter, and the one who denied him three times, right in front of Jesus, and Jesus shows up to Peter, and he looks Peter in the eyes, and he says, Peter... Do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. Absolutely, I love you. And, and in a way, I can just, the feeling here is, yes, I love you, but I, I, I did something stupid. I know, Jesus, yes, but I, I love you. And let me tell you what Jesus did not say. He did not say, I told you you would do it. Like, I told you this would happen. He, he didn't say that. He didn't say, I want you to dwell on what you did. And think about it, you're, you're in spiritual time out here, Peter. He did not say that. He didn't say, you need to wallow in your sin and drown in your guilt for a little while because you let me down. Like, like feel, the, feel the love of Jesus in this moment. And some of us need to feel that. Like, Peter, do you, do you love me? Jesus, you know I do. And Jesus calmly, caringly, loving, just kind of says, then, then feed my sheep. Peter in other words then then do my will then go show others my love Peter Peter you are you are completely forgiven now go and do what I have created you to do do what I've created you to do and I I don't know what it is for you that that you're holding on to something you didn't do many years ago that you you should have done something you did like, that you know you shouldn't have done, and, and it still weighs on you. Something you said in a moment of stupidity uh, for you. Like, if you have confessed your sin, then you are forgiven, and it's time to let it go. It's time to let it go. And, and, and for those of you who think I'm going to break into a Disney song right now, like, <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not, like, I have three girls in my house. I would prefer to never hear that song again in my life, Okay? <laughs> But 1 John 1, 9, don't miss this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If you have taken your sin to God, Jesus has covered it. Jesus has forgiven it. God doesn't hold it against you. He has forgotten it. You are free, you are free. Don't let, don't let the pain of the past for you like rob you from God's calling for the future. Don't do that, don't hang on to that. Like the neglect, the lies, like the words you said, you've got to let it go because here's the truth and some of us, we just have to understand this, no matter how much you try, no matter how much you want it or you will it, you cannot change your past you can't change what you've done but the good news is that our God can change your future you can't change what you did but we have a God that can like you you did something you wished you hadn't done you've got to let it go you betrayed somebody you got hooked on something early and you shouldn't have got hooked like it's time to let it go live and love help other people let it go let it go Maybe you let God down, maybe you let yourself down, maybe you let somebody else down. If it's covered by the blood of Jesus, don't live in the past, you've gotta let it go. Music team, will you please come? Now, don't check out yet, we're almost there, okay? Peter, Peter denies Jesus and he weeps bitterly. Do you hear that? He weeps bitterly for what he had done. And who does God choose? to be the guest speaker at Pentecost when God pours out his spirit. God chooses Peter. What that means is Jesus is here for 40 days, Uh, he leaves earth again after he is raised from the dead, the disciples wait for 50 more days and the Holy Spirit comes and it's this amazing moment, thousands of people gather and Peter of all people stands up in front of the crowd of a few thousand people and he preaches a message to them. And his message is so beautiful and it's so simple and it's just, it is just right there. He tells them the story of Jesus and what Jesus has done and then he looks to them and he, says, and he says, repent of your sins. Repent, just turn away from your sins. Call on the name of Jesus and you will be saved. You will be forgiven. Peter took that godly sorrow his life led to repentance, and I firmly believe that that and how he responded to that moment was a massive part of Peter becoming who he was going to become and fulfilling what God had wanted to do in him. God chooses chooses Peter. He didn't choose the one who was perfect. He He chose the one who was forgiven. Do you hear that? He didn't choose the one who was always faithful He chose the one who had experienced grace. You are not what you did. That was a bad page in your book. That was a bad chapter in your life, but your story is not over yet. Whatever it is, the guilt, the shame, take it to the one who died for it. Turn from it, find freedom. Your sins are forgiven. God remembers it no more. You are free to be who God created you to be. Will you stand with me all over this place? We did this last week, and I wasn't planning on doing this today, but in in a very symbolic way, I want us to just kind of symbolize this and illustrate this, okay? Um, Take your hands and put them just like this for me. And in a way, I want you to imagine all that junk that you have been carrying stuff that you have done in your past that you can't seem to get over all of the regrets all of the shame all of the guilt all of the places where the enemy has told you you'll never and I can't believe you and whatever else that it is and it's all right there and what I want you to do is in just kind of a moment um, we're all together to just symbolize this we're gonna let it go And we're just gonna kind of flip our hands over all together and in in a symbolic way, we're gonna put it down. and We're gonna let it go. And I'm, I'm gonna pray and we're gonna kind of lead us, just lead us through this part. And so Lord, we just pray that you would take all of our failures, that you would take all of our shame, that you would take the guilt, God, from those who are hanging on to that. And God, that even right now as we hold this God, I just pray that we would just let it go. Now let's take our hands and just kind of flip them upside down, symbolically just saying saying no more. We drop it. We let it go. And it is gone. It has disappeared. It is no longer there. And now what I'm now I'm, I'm just going to tell you this, don't pick it up again. Like, I know, I, know how, I know that sounds super simplistic and we're making this about, like, but seriously, it is, it is gone, it is forgiven. You don't need that anymore. You don't need to carry it around with you anymore. We have a God that forgives and forgets. And you can be free from that. Don't pick it up again. God, I pray, I pray that we would be free. That someone in this place today would be free from their past. That someone behind a screen this morning would be free from the things that they are carrying around from the from their past, God, and we just pray for that, and we pray, God, that in the name of Jesus, amen. One final thing. Yeah, put your hands together for that. That's a good place to clap. Just one, one final thing here before we're done today. Uh, maybe you're here today, and you have never have never experienced the forgiveness of Jesus. You've never given your life. You've never done that. Um, given your given your heart to Him. The, the Bible paints this picture of a God who created us and how we turned our back on Him. And Jesus came and died to really reconcile this relationship between God and people. Uh, and and that's His arms are open. The offer is there. Everything's been done. It's been set up for you to, in a way, just simply walk through the door and say yes. And maybe you're here today and you have never, you have never responded to that message. This isn't about whether you uh, have been baptized or confirmed or that, that's not what this, this is a heart thing between you and God. And with no one looking around for just a moment, every eye closed, just a time of privacy before we're done, who here in this place would say, I have never made that decision for myself to respond to what Jesus did. And I want to do that today. If that's you, will you just show me a hand? Will you just show me your hand today? Thank you, thank you. Anyone else, you can put your hands down. Online right now, if you are watching you, you can respond to this as well. You have a button you can click somewhere and you can figure this out. We want you to respond. Anyone else, just a moment longer. All right, church, let's just pray together. Everybody pray this with me. Pray, pray, Father God, i give you my life thank you for sending jesus to die for me forgive me of my sins and change my life in your name i pray amen come on can we put our hands together all right listen listen as we're done may you walk out these doors living in the freedom that is available through what Jesus has done for you. May you put that stuff down and never pick it up again. Come on, somebody. Amen. Thanks so much.